Have you ever had a job? Let's say that you got a job. Let's make it a job you wanted. You paid a little bit of money, you know. And when you showed up for the job, they just said this to you. It really doesn't matter what you do. Just show up every day. Now, some, I've seen some people in certain companies who work that way. But I don't imagine that's what their bosses told them, right? How would you ever know if you were doing your job? I guess if you just showed up, that would be enough, wouldn't it? I don't know. Would you ever know if you were earning a raise? Would you ever know if you were on the brink of getting fired? How would you be evaluated? How would you know if what you were doing was good enough? I guess there would be some job security where the job description looked like that, wouldn't there? If you just showed up every day and you kind of just were busy walking around, you were fulfilling the job description. But most people hate jobs that there's no purpose in, there's no value in, and that they don't feel like they own it. That it has some kind of something about it that they want to be doing. They feel like it has value that it gives to someone else. And yet, I just suggest that there are a few of us as Christians who go through our life that way and and have about that much understanding about their Christian responsibility. They, 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 they're Christians, right? And they feel like they know they're supposed to love people or they're supposed to do good things and all. But I think that a lot of people lack definition or specificity about their life. And you hear it from people all the time. I just wish I knew God's will for my life. I just wish I knew God's will for my life. And then everything would be okay. But the honest fact is, is that we have a great deal of understanding about God's will for our life. We really do. I mean, if you could just take one statement the Lord said, and it would keep you busy forever, and he would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, that right there is a lot, and then he tags on the end. And your neighbor as yourself. Right there, if you, if you, you could take that as being God's will for your life and run with it for the rest of your life. But, there, but he goes beyond that. And he continues at times to give us more definition. And he gives us better understanding of what it is he's asked us to do. And so you could say, well, he's told us to go and make disciples. True, that's what we say as a church, to be and make disciples. But today, in, our, in, our, in this series of, of worldview kind of concepts from Scripture, we're looking at one that hopefully can give us a little bit more specificity, a little bit a better idea of what the Lord calls us to. So last week in our first of the series, we talked about that the idea was to live our lives for the glory of God. <clears throat> we talked about that through obedience, through sacrifice. We talked about that last week. This week, the idea is to live your life as an ambassador for God. To live your life as an ambassador for God. Open up your Bibles. There's two passages that are very specific to this. The first one let's look at really quickly is Ephesians 6. Go to Ephesians 6. And as Paul is closing out his letter there, he says this in Ephesians 6, 20. I'm going to start in 18, all right? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view. Be on the alert 
with all perseverance and petition for the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth and to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here he is. He says, here I am. I am a prisoner. I am in chains. And he says that I am an ambassador for the mystery of the gospel. All right? So now flip over to 2 Corinthians 6. I mean 2 Corinthians 5, excuse me. 2 Corinthians 5. In this passage, I want to start in verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse, 20, verse 17, I'm sorry. Therefore, if any man is, a new, is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Pay attention to that phrase, the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in, the wor- in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, (coughs) be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So Paul, in this passage, the other one he says, I'm an ambassador of the mystery of the gospel. And in this passage, he talks about the same type of thing as he talks about that we are the ministry of reconciliation, reconciling the world back to God, bringing things into agreement is what it means when we talk about reconciliation. It's what checkbooks are not very often, right? You reconcile your checkbook, what you think you have with what you really have. Many people think they are in a good standing with God, but you are in the process of reconciling them into a true working, into the truth of being in a good relationship with God. So here we are. There are two things that we kind of have just come to an understanding, right? One is that we are an ambassador of the mystery of the gospel, which is that God sent his son to pay the sins for people who are guilty. God sent his sinless son to pay the sins for the guilty so that they wouldn't have to themselves. A mystery. A mystery. Why, and so why is that a mystery? <clears throat> well, first of all, none of us probably are very prone to the idea of sacrificing our own children for the benefit of anyone else. Matter of fact, you look at the way our school districts and our school, and just our world in general, but especially in schools, we want our kid at the top of the class all the time. He, we want to get him to get everything that's coming to him. So when we have that kind of mindset, we're not thinking we're going to sacrifice them for the benefit of the kid at the back of the class. We want what's coming to us. And so we might be a little bit more sacrificial than that, but when it comes to flesh and blood, we are not prone to that idea. And yet, here we are, we have the creator of the universe 
who sent his son sinless, with no stain, no blemish, no blemish, with no reason to die, and he sent that son to die on your and my behalf. There's a mystery in that. It's hard for us to wrap our heads around anyone who is that loving, who is that just, who is that merciful to us, who is that sacrificial in giving up their own son for the benefit of somebody else. There's an awful lot packed into that mystery that is hard for us in our finite minds to really grasp and to understand. And yet he says, we are ambassadors of that mystery. And then here, in 2 Corinthians, he says, men are are not in agreement with God. Men and women think that they're working their way back to God. They're burning incense. They're walking little ladies across the road. They're going to confession. They're saying their prayers. They're making pilgrimages. They're walking around buildings. They're doing all kinds of things to get God to be, and to be in agreement with God, to have him like them again. And yet he says, none of that is enough. It takes a sinless life. And only one has that, and that is Jesus. And so he says, only, sin, only Jesus reconciles man back to God. Nothing that man can do does that. And he says, that's a ministry of reconciliation, where you're going to people and you're saying, this is how you become reconciled to God. This is how you become, where you get into agreement with God. where you feel distant from him and you feel separate from him and you want him to love you and to like you. And so you're doing all these things. He says, you'll never reconcile yourself to God. You'll never bridge that gap that way. You'll only do it through Jesus. That is the ministry of reconciliation. (coughs) He says, that is, we are an ambassador for that reconciliation. Now, let's talk a little bit about what an ambassador is as we understand it. An ambassador for the United States is the highest-ranking representative of our government to another nation, all right? That ambassador, he has aides and other people who serve with him. They do many things in their capacity, but you could sum up their, their activities in three kind of categories. One, they protect the citizens. They protect American citizens who are on that foreign soil. That's one of the things they do. So they always tell you when you're overseas, <clears throat> when you go to Guatemala, where you go wherever you go, if you lose your passport, go to the embassy, go to the consulate, you know, go to, your, go to the people who are going to protect you in that situation. Number two, they support prosperity between nations. So they were working on trade and commerce and things of that nature. And number three, they promote peace between the nations. So whenever there's friction, our ambassadors are working especially hard. I bet they're working hard a lot these days, aren't they? Our ambassador is always there promoting peace, saying, look, everything's okay. What you heard was just kind of the thing they said for these people. We're still good with each other. Or they're looking, they're going, they're going, we don't understand what you're doing over there on that border. (coughs) Can we talk about this so we can understand what you're doing? We don't want to get the wrong idea. That's the three things you can say they do. We have 180 nations with diplomats in them. 
five of our diplomats have been killed in the line of duty. They grant about seven million visas a year. And then one little tidbit. One particular country from the Middle East that I won't name their name because I don't want anyone to say I'm picking on them. Their diplomats own the city of New York City, $1.9 million in traffic fines. Can you believe that? They get diplomatic immunity. (laughs) Notice that no nation ever sends a diplomat to their own nation. Do you notice that? That didn't happen. I mean, I mean, some people would say we need to send a diplomat to New Jersey, but it's never happened. <laughs> it's never happened. You send diplomats to foreign nations, to other nations not your own. But that's where this works for us, because there are three passages that we want to look at. And you, and you, you can just mark them down if you'd like to. I'm not going to go to them. One of them is this. Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, we are citizens of heaven. While you live here, and while you call this place home, you are citizens of heaven. And not only that, but he says, I'm preparing a place for you in this new home. And then John 15.19 says that God has called us out of this world. And then Colossians 1.13, Paul says that he has transferred us into his kingdom. So there you have it. While you might have lived all your life here, this is no longer home. You are citizens of another place. You have been called out of this place that you've called home, and you've been transferred into a different nation, a different kingdom. That's who we are as Christians. And perhaps that should be the worldview we should be looking at as I say that. Because all of us probably understand to some degree or another how we're supposed to be an ambassador for the gospel an ambassador for reconciliation. Perhaps the bigger idea here is that we are not citizens of this world, we're citizens of a different world. What would that mean? Let's go off notes here and talk. If you are not a citizen of this world, and you're a citizen of another world, perhaps I should be asking some of our friends here who truly are not a citizen or a new citizen of the United States, and have them be telling us what it's like coming into a new place. I said, no, don't worry, Minsu, I won't pick on you very much. So what would it be like to think that this is not your home? To think that I'm a citizen of someplace else? What needs to happen in your thinking and the way you look at the world around you so that you come to a better understanding that I am not of this, I am of something else? Talk to me. What would change in your thinking in that way? Somebody? Yeah, Terry? Oh, great. Well, Terry, Terry is saying that, like, um, first of all, the interesting little note, she said, I lived in Japan seven years, so I kind of stood out. I guess so. <laughs> right. And so your passport said what in it? That you need to be responsible to their laws. So you have to be responsible to their laws, laws, even though you're a citizen of this other place. And that as people looked at you, they knew that you were not from there. And you represent the country you came from. Great. Great insight. Really good insight. Anyone else? Yeah, John. Your heart's not set on staying there. Because where do you want to go? You want to go home? Yeah. You want to go home. Anybody understand that? Yeah. Scott? That's right. Right. 
why do you think, why do you think that these exchange programs are so important to so many people? Because these exchange programs are so important to so many people because they believe, well, if I get a real life, you know, fill in the blank, Israeli, Iranian, Korean, you know, here, they'll get to know this Korean and go, you know, all that stuff I've heard about them is not true. They're like her, or they're like him, or they're like that person. The people that they know are what they think all the rest of them are like. Or they think they're not all like this, they're like this person. So that's a great observation. Yeah, Joe? Great. Great. You get to see the world from their, from their perspective. Instead of just from what you know, you begin to see it from other people's perspective. Great, great. So some of those things right there are some of the things that we, as Christians, who think about this as home, need to begin to think through. This is not my home. I've got this other place that I want my affections to go to. And I've got this other place that I'm representing. That it's the opinions, it's the values, it's the policies of that place that dominate my life, even though I'm living here. Interesting, isn't it, that Paul even wrote in Romans, he says, to obey the laws of the land. He writes as one who's writing to a diplomat, in that case, perhaps. So an ambassador is one who does not live in this place, who's connected to some other place. Now, there's another thing also to to think about here, is that an ambassador does not appoint himself. He is appointed by his government. You, as a Christian, have been appointed by your king. We've talked about this recently, and we'll talk about this again in three weeks. You, as a Christian, have to understand and have to be willing to yield to the authority of your master. And the authority of your master says this, you live in a nation, I understand this, you live in a world, you live, and your, your perspective is that there's a hierarchy. And in the church context, everyone thinks that the staff or the pastor is the one who does this. We've talked about this, but we need to continue to talk about it so that we start acting like it as leadership and you start acting like it as, as the body of Christ, the family. And that's that we are all ministers. We are all ambassadors. And so we've talked about this here at Crossing. Don't bring people to church to get saved for me to do it, for me to talk to them, for me to, you know, do something like that. You stay at home, and you make wings or nachos. Nachos would be a great asset to the gospel. You, you invite them over, and in the context of friendship, you share what God has done in your life. You just live your life in front of them. You be an exchange student to them. This is who I am. This is what my life is like. This is where I come from. All of us are ambassadors. All of us have been appointed. And so there's so much that happens when we get saved. One of the things that happens when we get saved is the Holy Spirit comes to reside in us. He seals us into the day of redemption when we go home to meet the Lord. And then one other thing that happens is we're giving things. We're told, you are now a son of the king. I've adopted you to my family. He also says, you now are my ambassador. Now, it's your job to go and represent me wherever you are. It happened. You might have missed that, but it happened when you trusted Christ as your Savior. An ambassador does not belong to the country he's sent. He's a citizen of the world, but he's also sent by heaven. So if an ambassador decides not to represent the nation that sent him, he's no longer doing his job. 
He's no longer doing his job. If an ambassador begins to adopt the policies of the land that he's sent to, he's no longer of any value to the one who sent him. When we go into the world, that's what we read in the scripture. It says, go into it, but not be of it. To be there, but not be one of them. So we can't be like them if we are an ambassador. An ambassador does not enter this other country, this other nation. This is what it looks like. When he leaves, before he leaves, the president or the guy who's in charge of all the ambassadors, he gives us this little thing. He goes, this is what we believe. This is what our policies and our, and our, our policies are for the nation you're going to. Here you go. This is what you're going to say when you get there. All right? So he's going to go to Israel. And what he's going to say is this. We are an ally of Israel. All of you other guys who are trying to kill him all the time, we don't like that. But if the dude shows up in Tel Aviv, and then one of those days after that, week, two, a year later, he goes, you know what? There's a lot of us at home that don't agree with Israel. I'm kind of with you. I kind of agree with you. I think that's a bogus policy. I don't like that wall either. What's wrong with that? He's not representing the one that sent him. That might be his opinion, but it's not in line with what he was sent to do and represent. And so we as ambassadors, there are certain things that we have to yield to our king and to his policy and his authority and his opinion on, whether we like it or not. Let me give you an example of a few examples, perhaps, of where there are ambassadors who are no longer representing the king. It's not uncommon to hear about a pastor or a church or even denominations now who would now would say, you know what, there's really nothing wrong with this particular behavior. There's really nothing wrong with same-sex marriage. There's really nothing wrong with that. What we're going to do is we're going to change our doctrinal statement and we are going to um, change what we believe and we're going to embrace this now. That's not what the king said to say when they got there. They would, and this is an, an old argument, but it still needs to be said because we need to be reminded that it is a policy of our king. And that's that every life matters from conception to the last breath. For us to step into the arena of the world and to represent our king, we say <clears throat> every life matters. And we are not in favor of killing a fetus, nor are we in favor of killing a child that is disabled and going to become a burden on the health care of our nation, nor are we in favor of pulling the plug on the elderly because they have become a burden on the health care of our nation. Now, some of you got going, we haven't said that yet. Right down the road in Princeton, There are people there who are talking about the children that some of us have in this room should have been aborted or left to die because they have no value and they will not add value to our nation. It's already being talked about. Many believe it wholeheartedly. Don't think it's not being talked about. Don't think that some don't want to think that that's the right thing to do. Those are just a couple of examples. But you know what? Those are kind of extreme, aren't they? Let's cut a little closer to home then. God said, 
that when you say I do, you say I do until death. That one stings, doesn't it? Because that is something we as a church have had a little bit harder line towing the line on. We have to commit to be committed to the vows we make. Because the master, the king that sent us, said, this is what we believe. This is our policy. Let's go closer to home. We are to live in unity. That's what the master said. That when you go there, you're to live in unity. You are to forgive as I forgave you. That's what the master said. That when you arrive, this is how we live. This is one of our policies. Others will wrong you, but you still have to forgive them. Others will wrong you for good reasons at times, but you still have to forgive them. That is from the master. That is what it means to represent him well in this place that we call our foreign land the place we've been sent to, is to represent him well in those areas of our life. You see, what's really interesting, man, she didn't like that comment at all. I'm so sorry. (laughs) You see, most of us think about, when we think about being an ambassador in another country, we think about, that means we're going to go and tell them what they're doing wrong. Well, sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's true. But part of having a voice Part of being able to speak into that situation means that we are living in such a way that we truly represent who sent us. It's not okay to go and say that abortion is wrong and be in conflict, unresolved conflict, and not be forgiving a brother and sister in Christ. It's not okay to to sit at the work table at work and and argue with people over same-sex marriage or transgender stuff or, um, or... any of those other issues, gay issues, it's not okay to go and to argue about those things at work or, or wherever you want to and, and to be, not be living your life in the way that the Lord would say is right and good. It's a whole package. And we lose our voice. As a matter of fact, we, I, I barely escaped one of those Facebook things this week. There was one of those posts that came out and goes, the church doesn't matter anymore. You know, it, it stinks, it's horrible, um, because they're all hypocrites, and because they all do all these things wrong, and, and so they're really, it's, it's, it's not even an institution that has a voice in community anymore. The problem with that post is it was half true, because we have lost our voice in the world because we haven't lived our lives in such a way to earn the voice. One of the things that happens to us as, as American citizens is that we get... Oh wait, let, me go, let me take that back. Me, I'll speak for myself. I'm, I, I'm disillusioned with our government because it seems to me that I think that, that there are things that should disqualify you from serving. That there are things that matter. There are behaviors and words that matter. And that when you cross that line you lose your opportunity to serve. But I'm disillusioned because it doesn't seem to matter anymore. It doesn't seem like there's accountability anymore for what we say or do. And certain things there are, the political correct things, yeah, you can't cross that line ever. But there's so many other things that it seems like it shouldn't matter what we say and do. 
And that what we say and do should qualify us for service, should qualify us. And so what I'm saying is that it's, it's like this, that what you say and do, they earn you the right to speak into situations. So when we as Christians don't follow the master and don't live our life in a way that is in line with him, we have lost our voice. We can't speak into certain subjects any longer as well as we'd like to or as well as we should because we are hateful too. Because we are unforgiving as well. Because we have relationships that are in shambles as well. So as ambassadors, we're not called to, we are called to point fingers as much as we are to be held accountable ourselves. There are two things Two qualifying factors I'd like to suggest. You could say there's more. I'm going to go with two for today. Two qualifying factors to be a a good ambassador. I understand there's a diplomat school, a diplomacy school, something of that nature that an ambassador or a diplomat must go through to, and I understand that it's pretty rigorous training that a diplomat must go through to be able to serve and represent our country overseas. I would suggest there's two things for us to serve as good ambassadors. One would be to know God. And I am not one that says that means you need a degree to know God. It means that you know him. That you've trusted his word in such a way that you've stepped out into some really scary places of faith at times. And you've gone like, this is a, this is a scary place. And God says, I can trust him here, but I don't know if I can. But I'll still step out <clears throat> into that area and wait and see what he's going to do. And then when you do that, you find out that he does, he is faithful to his word, that he is faithful to his promises. You find out that my God shall really provide all your needs. You find out that that's true when you follow him into those places. You find out that he gives peace beyond comprehension when you step into those places. You, I'm, not telling that, I'm, I'm not telling you to, to know the Bible because I meet seminary grads, and you do too all the time, who know the Bible, who don't know God. I'm saying we need to know God, and we get to know him because we are in the word, and we learn how to follow him and love him. So it's not book smarts. It's knowing God. It's knowing God the way I know Jack. You know, It's knowing God the way that Jack knows Lisa. Because they're in a relationship and they interact all the time. And in interacting, they know what the other thinks and feels and, and how to express love and how and when to say thank you and I'm sorry. Know God that way. Last week, we talked about the man born blind in John 9. That man knew God, although he had only met Jesus in that one day. And, what, and, his, and his knowing God was this, I was blind, but now I see. That's knowing God. That's, you, you take that out into the marketplace of the world. And you say, this is how I know God. This is how I used to be, but this is how I am. That's knowing God. How has he worked in your life? The other thing is representing God well. And I've already really talked about that. Is, is what is your character like? I was talking with one of you recently and you were having your car worked on, and the mechanic said something like, you know what, just tell them this. 
just tell them this, you know. And, and, you, and you guys said, I can't do that. I'm a born-again Christian. I can't, I can't say that. It's not true. That is a, an example of character. So let's say that I did that at, at Kerrigan Sunoco here in town. And I did that. And then that Sunday, one of you guys invited that mechanic to church, and he came in, and he heard me talking about character, and he knew that I knew that he told me a lie, and I said that lie. What influence do I have left? What, what validity do I have to tell others about a life of integrity? That's why living our life in a way that aligns with the character of God is important. So, meaning we're an, so being an ambassador means that we, we stand, we represent God to the people he sent us to. That's equip, send the people that God has put in our life, that's who we are ambassadors to, if that's any question mark in anyone's mind. And that I'm stepping into that relationship or into these situations, and, I'm, and when, the, when the opportunity presents and in a right and, and respectful way, I'm, I'm explaining what my king thinks about the situation. I'm figuring out how do I best represent Jesus in this place to this person. Being sent... From our God, being an ambassador for God means we speak as he would speak. We speak truth. We speak love, mercy, justice, hope, grace, transformation, redemption. That no life is beyond the reach of God's love and mercy. We're trying to focus on concepts, biblical concepts, that help us to understand how we're supposed to live our lives, worldviews. How does this help us? I hope that it helps us in this way that, it un- that we understand this is who I'm supposed to be day in, day out. This is my job description. If I need to know God's will for my life, God's will for my life is that I represent him well in the relationships and the places that he's placed me in. So that it goes back to this passage here in 2 Corinthians 5, and it says, that therefore we are ambassadors as though God were entreating through us. What does your Bible say for entreating? Because there's different words it says. What does your Bible say for that if you still have your Bible open to that passage? Appeal. Good. What else? Pleading. Yeah. In other words, he says, you as ambassadors are pleading on the behalf of your king with these people that God has placed you among. That's what it means to be an ambassador. That we represent the mystery of the gospel. That we represent the ministry of reconciliation. And we do that when we know God and when our character lines up. Quick comment about character. There are many, many, many of us who have been raised in churches that says, Matter of fact, we even heard this yesterday at the, at the summit for the opioid event. Many, many people have been told that you are no longer able to represent God because you've done this or you've done that. That is a lie. That is the beauty of Jesus, is that he redeems those mistakes and he makes those tools and opportunities of grace. For you, 
Let's say you have something that's public in your life where you know you messed up. There is, it, there is the most beautiful message of grace and redemption to say to someone who's watching, I really messed up. I really messed up. But I am so grateful that the God that loves me forgives me and redeems my life and will make something really great happen because of my mess up. That says a lot. That says an awful lot about who sent us as ambassadors. You don't have to be perfect, but you do need to be honest. You do need to be honest about your sin and about your mess-ups. Let's pray.